Hello, good morning. We do have a good, good father as we've just sung. And so before we continue, let's just stop and pray again. So will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much that you, as we've just sung, you are our good, good father, that there is no one like you, that Lord, you are perfect in all of your ways Even when your ways don't make sense to us, we can know and declare that your ways are perfect because we know that you are perfect and we trust in you. So Lord, we thank you that we are your children, that we are able to come before you today and call you our Father. We thank you that we are able to be part of your family as your sons and your daughters here today, to lift your name on high together, to come and hear from you together. And so Lord, this morning, as I share these words, I ask that you would flow out of my mouth today, that it wouldn't be me, but you, Holy Spirit, speaking to each one of us, including myself, that we could hear you clearly today, that we could be the people that you created us to be, that our hearts would be drawn closer to you, open to you, softer towards the things of you. Lord, help us to understand your, your heart for us today. And we just pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. This morning, I am excited to share with you and conclude with you our Family Matters series as we share in Father's Day. And so today is Father's Day, and I want to say happy Father's Day to you dads, because we are thankful for you. We do want to celebrate you dads today, because without you, we wouldn't exist. We need you. But also, I I do understand that today can be a hard day for some people, as we may be really missing our father's or some people are missing their sons, some are longing to be fathers or don't have a good father on earth. However, all of us have our good, good father in heaven as we just sang about. And so wherever you're at today, we can celebrate Father's Day because you are loved by our heavenly father. You have so many amazing men here today that are amazing fathers and father figures to each one of us. And we have our heavenly father who is perfect in all of his ways. And so we are finishing off our Family Matters series looking at the things that matter to God or some of the things that matter to God when it comes to family. Looking at what what that means for us, looking at what that is in discipleship and what that looks like in the church, how we care for each other, how we share on the things that matter to God through the ways that we live our lives. But before I continue in that, I do have a video that we've been preparing over a couple of weeks to share with you. So we'll just watch that video now. Thanks, guys. Hi, I didn't see you there. Welcome to the Father's Day video. Of his selflessness and his care for people, and um, how he actually listens to what people have to say and cares about it. I love laughing with them. We laugh hard at times. 
jaw-aching stuff. Holidays with kids, it's just, we have the best times on holidays. Their achievements, watching them, whether it's whatever schooling achievement or just uh, watching them stand up for what's right, those kinds of things, that's cool. That you tell jokes. I love uh, being able to see them laugh and being able to see their joyful faces and watching them learn as they go through school, as they learn things as kids. What I love about my dad is that he loves the Lord and how he looks after my mum. Learning what is right from wrong, teaching them about God at an early stage and also loving them and bonding with them. Daddy takes care of me and when I was sick from school and when we're on holidays. I love sharing the memories, the moments, the laughter, the lessons learnt during the day and the time just with them. It's just wonderful. What do you love about your dad? The funny moments that my kid does. I love all the food he cooks and I also love that he's a great music mentor. Well, uh, that is the uh, second best thing that ever happened to me. I feel really, really proud, feel the responsibility as a dad and uh, what I love about it is uh, to have um, all my children. I can see as they grow. I'm blessed. I feel really blessed that God trusted me and gave me those children that I have. So praise the Lord for that. They watch and they learn and they repeat. That someone's going to win and someone's going to lose. It's like matches. Setting a good foundation of faith, love, kindness, courtesy and respect. I think setting that good foundation is the most important thing. Patience, flexibility and understanding. The lesson I learned from my dad is everything I do, I do it right, and it's not worth doing right, it's not worth doing at all. When you're 82 years of age and you look back in years when they're born and watch them growing up, teach them the right things in life and obedience, and the kids take it on board. And that's very important for the person to bond with their kids early and love them, treat them as mates. To be generous with what God's given us. The lesson I learned was quality time with the family is very, very uh, important. In one bit time and season that I was so busy with work, if you don't spend enough time with them, you will notice that all of a sudden they just sleep and grow up so quickly that uh, you didn't even notice how that happens. Because uh, we love our children so much that we're going to do everything for them. While they're little, that's fine, but when they grow up, they need to learn how to help and take responsibility so they can grow a bit more stronger and they grow as a hard-working person. taught me a lot of things, but he's instilled my love for God, fishing and outdoors and sport um, into me. I'm really thankful for that. He has taught me to pull a good prank, to be annoying. Annoy my sisters and my mum. It's been good fun. Lesson is that homework did not finish when I finished school. I don't know what I'd do without mum being there. Not bad to show emotion. That way, you know, they're happy to show emotion. He doesn't tell the best dad joke every time, but he gets a good one every now and then, so... 
I'll give him that. Love your dad. Happy Father's Day. And, um, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. How good, how good is it to celebrate our dads? And yeah, you can give them a clap. Thank you. Thank you to those dads and those sons who were able to share just little snippets. I, I loved watching this video and initially I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to put this video together. Um, it was actually Jonathan who did it all. He did the interviewing and the putting together. So thank you, Jonathan. Um, but what I loved about that is hearing the hearts of the dads and their responses and also seeing like the journey of the dads. You could see in the years of fatherhood just how things had changed and the wisdom that came with being a father and a grandfather as years go on. And that is such a precious gift to be able to pass on to the next generation in your own family, but then also the generations that are here today that are around you as part of this church family, but also beyond. And so thank you, thank you dads for being dads. I'm so thankful to have had my dad share in that video too and and just hearing his heart and knowing that He loves us so much that he wants to provide for us in every way. However, there's some times, he said, where you have to let us go and we become responsible. And in all of that, in all of the things that we're going to be talking about this morning and hearing the hearts of those fathers, I couldn't help but think of the heart of our Heavenly Father and how he raises us as his children, how he points us in the right direction, how he raises us and there's a point where he says, I'm with you and you have to go and do this. I'm with you and you need to step out in faith and trust me, I'm with you and let's do this. So I'm gonna continue on in the message this morning. So um. One thing as I was preparing this message for Father's Day, I know that I, I'm not a father. I will never, ever be a father. So I can't share with you what being a father is like, but I can share with you what I've seen and experienced as someone who has my father here with me um, in the video that we just watched, as someone who's seen my husband, father, our children, We've got many years, hopefully, ahead with raising those guys. I've seen so many wonderful father figures in this church family. And then I also have my heavenly father and the things that he's taught me as his daughter. When it comes to raising children, there is something so precious and amazing about the dads, about having those fathers, these father figures. See, we need strong men of faith to be the fathers in the church family. Men, whether you have children at home right now, whether you're raising children or you you don't have children, whether you're married or not married, wherever you are, men, we need you to be these strong men in the church, sharing your wisdom with us, sharing your experience with us, living wisely, showing us love that comes from the heavenly Father. We need you to teach the younger men these things so that they can grow up and step out to be these young men and future fathers for generations to come. Because if we don't teach them, society we society will, culture, well, the culture of the world. 
in this video that we watched before, I asked fathers and sons these questions. And I did that, we did that intentionally because these are men who are teaching these young men to be fathers or have become fathers. And that's going on, that will go on to the next generation. And men, that's what, well, all of us, that's what we're called to do. And we learn this through the different things that we've been talking about over the past few weeks in, in discipleship, in family matters, the things that matter to God when it comes to the family, like when it comes to his family. And so over the past few weeks, we've talked about intentionally passive discipleship, where we live out our faith and disciple others just by living our lives, by trusting in God and making sure that our relationship with Him is at the front of every single thing we do. Because when it is, people will see that, people will notice that. And that's kind of a way to disciple people without necessarily saying words. And then we moved on to intentionally active discipleship where we use our mouths and our hands to share the gospel with others. It happens in the words that you say, in the ways that you serve others, serve in the church, serve your family, serve your neighbours, those in the community, showing the love of Jesus in the way that you actively live as well. And we also looked at how we learn it through the Bible. God's word will show you how to live your best life. And I think I shared this last week, if, if we aren't reading, and reading it, then we're not going to know how to live our best life because it is all in the word of God. And so my prayer is that God would put in our hearts this passion to know His Word, this desire to read His Word so that we can be thoroughly equipped for every good work, as His Word says, so that we can bring Him honour and glory and love others and live the way that He's created us to do. And so I'm going to be sharing a lot from Scripture this morning because I can't say it better than the Scriptures can. And so we're going to read a lot of it today. So as we step into that, fathers and men, young men, we need you. Your example matters. How you live your life matters because it impacts not just you, but those around you. It impacts even the little people that have gone out to Sunday school this morning. They are watching how we're living our lives. Whether you are related to them or not, they look up to you. Our little boys look up to you and they see you and they think that you're amazing because you are amazing. How you live your life matters. So what is your role? What is our role? The Bible tells us. It's all in the Bible. So the first point following on from our previous few weeks is love God first. That's the, one of the most important things is loving God first. And I'll probably repeat that again and again and again in future sermons. And we've been talking about this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 6, which I've read every week. It says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. This is an important command, loving God, knowing his words, committing to knowing his words. And so we're going to, last week we read in Colossians chapter three, 
We're not going to read that again. We're actually reading Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 21. And this talks about how all of us are called to live. So it says, starting in verse 15, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is how we are called to live. So we're called to love God, to be thoughtful and live in the Holy Spirit's power. And the next is loving others. So I think the point is loving others, whether you are married or you are single, love others. Now, if you are married, loving your wife is an important thing, the next important thing that you can do. And I don't just say that because I'm a wife, but wives, we need to love our husbands. The Bible talks about this. It talks about what it looks like because it is about submitting to one another in reverence to Christ. So Ephesians 5, 21 to 33, it continues. So, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the saviour of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds it and cares for it. Just as Christ cares for the church and we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Husbands and wives, as we've just read, your marriage is an example of how Christ loves the church. For me, being married is one of my favorite things. It does take work, it does require work, and marriage does not fix all your problems. 
It kind of just changes them and adds another person into the complexities of ourselves. But our marriage, if you are married, it's your top priority after Jesus because it is an example to others around us of how Jesus loves the church. He set aside everything, leaving his father so that he could make a way for us to be with him. And we are called to that deep love. So the way that you love your wife, husbands, will show others, show your sons how to treat women, will show other men around you how to treat women. They are watching. They will follow your example. Whether you are intentionally setting that example or not, they will follow your lead here. Now, if you are single, your role is so important too. Paul talks about this, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 32 to 35. He says, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him, please God. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit, but a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Do whatever will help you to serve the Lord best. In your singleness, you are able to serve the Lord in a way that is so precious between you and the Lord, a way that married people cannot. If you are called to be single for life or even for just a season, the amazing opportunity you have is that you show others how Christ really is enough, that Christ is sufficient for all of your needs, that everything you need is completely in Jesus Christ, knowing that you are not without, you are not lacking because of Jesus. It's an amazing miracle that you get to show those around you. If you are married, again, you show that amazing love of Jesus in the way that you love and submit to each other, in the way that you work together. Don't just get married because you love someone. Marriage is more than that. As Paul said, whatever will help you serve the Lord best is what we are encouraged to do. So if you're able to serve the Lord best as you can in your singleness, do that. If you are better to serve the Lord better, if you are able to serve the Lord better in your marriage, and if you are married, that is what you're called to do, serve the Lord. All of us are called to serve Him, no matter where we are at. And so that includes, our next point, loving your family, loving the family, by teaching them that God matters, which is what we've been talking about in the past few weeks. Deuteronomy 6 We read verses four to six before, reading six to nine now. It says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands, wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. 
I've repeated this, these verses in Deuteronomy every week and I hope that they stick. I hope that these verses are stuck in your mind knowing that we are to love the Lord our God with a whole heart and then that moves into every single thing we do. We're gonna be talking about his commands, talking about his words, repeating it again and again, having it up around our home in places that we're going to see it because then we'll start to know the word and what his word says. We'll be able to share it more freely and easily in conversations. And so part of teaching the children is, is discipline, is loving them. And Ephesians chapter six, verses one to four talks about this. So in Ephesians, Paul's just talked to everybody. He's talked to wives and husbands, how this is the church. And then he goes on to talk to children and parents. So Chapter six, verse one to four. It says, children obey your parents because you belong to the Lord for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and your mother, things will go well with you and you will have a long life on earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, I'm learning and have been learning over the past six and a bit years that if you want to have children who obey you, you need to have parents who are disciplining. And that's what the Bible says. It's what we've just read now. Fathers and mothers, verse four is so important because when it comes to discipline, it's done in that respect for our children, that love for our children, but out of our love for God. It's not abusing the children because they will become bitter towards us. And some people have been disciplined in ways that has hurt them and has led to real hurt, real pain, real anger. And some of you feel that here today but the Bible does not tell parents to abuse their children in discipline. It's very clear how we are meant to bring them up in the Lord, bringing them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So discipline is not abusing children as some have thought it to be. It's not what the Bible talks about at all. It's wrong to harm children. It's wrong to hurt the children because children are so precious to God. God takes that seriously. He calls children a gift. Psalm 127 verse 3, he says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. They are that precious gift to not just their parents, but to those who get to see these precious little ones grow up. I'm sure that you've seen somebody else's kid and they've just brought joy to your heart by something that they've done. Perhaps it's been your own children. They are a gift. But fathers, don't be afraid to discipline your children. The world's twisted what it means to discipline. And it the world tells us that discipline isn't loving our children, but the Bible tells us that it is. We need to direct the children and the young ones around us on the right path. As Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, it says, direct your children onto the right path and when they are older, they will not leave it. And Proverbs 22 verse 15 says, a youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. 
we all know that little ones start off with not knowing so much and they want to do the things like touching the stove or walking out onto dangerous places. Their hearts are filled with foolishness and we need to direct them away from foolishness through that discipline that comes from the Lord. And so those are some things that the Bible talks about for all of us in the sense of loving God, loving each other's, and then the generations after us. And as I was thinking about this more and more, it made me think more about God and His love for us and how He's shown us that love. And as I was thinking about this intentionally passive discipleship and this intentionally active discipleship that we talk about, I think sometimes people feel like God is passive in relating to us, but God is not passive in relating to us. He is completely active in the way that He loves you and the way that He calls you. He's been active in showing us who He is, making a way for us to know Him. All of us have been made in the image of God and have have parts of Him in us. Whether you're a mother or a father, whether you are male or female, you're made in the image of God. And so we have certain attributes like him. And fathers, you are called to have certain attributes like him as just as he's our heavenly father. And so Ephesians 5 verse 1 says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. You are loved by God. And because he has loved you first, we are able to, loved us first, we are able to come to him and follow his example. Just as little children follow the examples of those around them, we are to follow the example of Christ. And so the next point is God has shown us, God has shown us how to live this. God has shown us how to love others. So he's been so active in showing us himself. John 3, verses 15 to 17 says, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Our heavenly father is generous. Our heavenly father has shown us how he's given his all for us. Fathers, how do you give your all for your children in a way that shows them that kind of love, but also the way that you love your wives or those around you? 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 to 25 gives us this another example. It says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example. You must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right, By his wounds you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. This is what Christ Jesus has done for us. 
so that he can be the guardian of our souls. We can follow his example in how he didn't retaliate. He never sinned. He lived for what is right. He lives for what is right. In the, in the Word of God, we see how He cared for others, how He loved others, meeting people where they were at. This is what we are to imitate. We read before, as fathers, you're called to love your wife, and we read in Ephesians how that's this amazing example of how Christ loved the church. Jesus has given us that example. And again, if you are single, your singleness shows how Christ has fulfilled you, how he is that great gift. But we also see how our heavenly father, he calls us to discipline the children. He also disciplines us. He's given us that example. Hebrews 12 verses five to 11 says, starting with the second part says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he accepts everyone as his children. Endure hardship is discipline. God is treating you as his children for what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we all have had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father and live? They disciplined us for a little while, while they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. God loves you so much that as our heavenly Father, He allows us to go through hard things that will produce holiness in us, that will help us to seek Him and trust Him and draw near to Him. That's what this passage in Hebrews is telling us about. He wants us to draw near to Him. He wants us to trust Him at all times with all things because He is our good, good Father. There are other, other qualities of God that I just wanted to share from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says that God will never fail you. It says, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. In verse six, it says, so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? As our heavenly father, that's who he is. He helps us. He's always there for us. We don't have to fear. And then verse eight says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can celebrate in that knowing that our God never changes. Our earthly fathers may change, and they probably do change as they grow into their fatherhood. You can see wisdom shifting and growing throughout the years, but Jesus is the same. He also provides for us. Matthew 6, 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. He is our good father and our provider. He also sings over you. He comforts you in hard times. 
In Zephaniah 3.17, it says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Saviour. He will take delight in you with gladness. With His love, He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. In this passage, the prophet Zephaniah is talking to God's people as they're in captivity and he's saying, you're gonna get through this. He's saying, God will delight in you with gladness. He rejoices over you with singing. And no matter what you are going through, God loves you. He is rejoicing over you in songs in those hard times when you feel like you can't go on. He is our heavenly father. He is the same. He'll never abandon you. He always provides. He always comforts. He always fights for us. Even when we cannot, he sings over us. He calms our fears and he is with us. And so today we can celebrate and rejoice because we have a good heavenly father. And fathers today, men today, I want to encourage you and I guess invite you to have or challenge you to take on the example of our Heavenly Father, to be there for us, to be those who comfort, to even sing over your children, pray over your children, be with them when they're afraid. Today, fathers, we want to thank you and honour you. And men, we want to pray for you and bless you and encourage you to seek the Lord, knowing that you are not alone as you go through this, knowing that as you encourage others, sons around us, you encourage us all. I am so encouraged and by and so blessed by the fathers that we have here today, the men that we have here today who have been an example to me, who have encouraged me in many different ways who have corrected me at different times when I've made mistakes, that is such a gift. Not just my father, other fathers have done that for me as well. And that's the opportunity that each of us have today. So I'm gonna invite the music team up and we're gonna sing this song called The Blessing. And and the heart in, in this song is that you would be blessed today, that each one of us will be able to recognize that God is with you, God is for you, He is your heavenly Father, He is behind you, beside you, all around you, and He loves you. And I also do want to pray this morning um, for each one of us, and in particularly the men here today, as you go out and be the men of faith that we need you to be, and women as you go out and be the women of faith that the world needs us to be as well. So let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word tells us everything we need to know about you to be able to follow you, to be able to trust you, that your word tells us that you are the same yesterday, today, forever, always. You are the same God. You you are the same Father of generations. Lord, you are the one who created the earth, the one who created Adam and Eve. And you loved them and fathered them throughout generation after generation. You cared for your people. 
And today we come before you as your people, as your sons, as your daughters, as people who wanna know more about you. And we thank you for the wisdom, for the comfort, for the discipline, for the care that you have for us, for the love that you have for us, that you made a way for us to be with you for all eternity. Lord, I lift up each person here or online today as they seek to become people who know you more. God, I pray that you would help us to be people who focus on you, who have you first in our hearts and in our lives, that those around us would know that you matter to us and that because you matter to us, that you matter in all things, Lord. I pray that we would be people of integrity, that we would be people who are so passionate about your word, that we would know your word and have it hidden in our hearts, Lord, that we'd be able to share that with those around us. And today, Lord, I do wanna thank you so much for our fathers. Lord, I thank you that that you put us, that you trusted us to their care. Whatever that has looked like, you made a way for us to be here through them. And so we thank you. Thank you for the gift of life that we have. And Lord, I pray for the fathers here today that you would give them wisdom, that you would guide them in your truth, that you would help them to, again, have that passion and desire to know your word, to trust you more and more, to trust in your understanding, not their own understanding, that they would be fathers who can lead their families to you as you are the head of the church, that you would be the head of the home and that fathers would be the heads of their homes, Lord, loving their wives and their children. Lord, I pray for the men here today. I thank you for them, those who may not be fathers. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them, that you would guide them to older men who can teach them how to live wisely, that you would guide them to men who can encourage them and that they can show them how to trust you more and more through the different stories and experiences that they've had. God, I pray that the young men here would grow up to be men and fathers who love you, who put you first and who can be examples to the generations to come. And Lord God, I thank you for the women as well, for the special place that you have for us in the family, in your family, Lord, that you would help us to submit, to listen, to, to support and be the women that you've created us to be as we come to you as your daughters, as your sisters, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for your love that you made a way for us to know you. Father, I pray that you would bless each one in person and online today that you would keep us. May your face shine upon us and give us peace. And so we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. As we sing this song, may this be your prayer. It's my prayer, it's our prayer for you. May it be your prayer as well. Maybe you can think of somebody who needs that blessing today and sing this or pray this over them. But for generation to generation, may his name get the honour and the glory.